Hey, I'm Batman, and this is the Hoffcast. Doom bat, doom doom bat, doom bat, doom doom bat, doom bat, doom doom bat. This is the Hoffcast. Oh, Billy, Billy boy, welcome back. Oh man, episode number seventy-two of the Hoffcast. I'm gonna post this um, not on Friday. I'm gonna post it today, September 9th. I'm recording a little bit late. Um, you know, podcasting is weird because I, I've I've been able to separate myself uh, during live shows from my <laughs> emotions and and mental state. You know, it just comes time like they're gonna announce your name on stage. You put aside any feelings you have just time to be funny and entertain and i got really used to doing that and i'm not used to doing that yet with the podcast <laughs> so I, i'd get ready to record and i'd i'd get mad about something or i wouldn't feel particularly funny or and, and guess what if there's not somebody i guess the here's the difference if there's not somebody forcing you to do it then you say oh let me let me wait for more ideal circumstances but you know, over the course of a live show, the show's going. The ball's already rolling down the hill. When they announce my name, I have no choice. So of course, I've gotten used to it. Of course, I've gotten, I figured out a way to uh, have self-preservation and and be funny in those moments. But when it's just me with a podcast, and I'm like, well, I could start at any time, or I could not start right now, and that's also okay, probably. Then, then when I don't feel in the like little sweet spot of entertainment, then I choose not to, and that's what I, I was bad. I've been battling the last several days, um, and uh, and then I I was even battling this morning, and and it took me till two o'clock to get to a mental position where I'm like, you know what, I think I think I could sit down and do it, and quite honestly, right before I hit record. I didn't think I could. Right before I hit record, I was like, you know what? I, I don't know how this is going to come out because I really don't, you know, I, I go through and I have my like hallmark things that I want to talk about uh, each week, but I don't sit there and plan out what I'm going to say. And I'm like, a lot of these are possible like landmines. A lot of these this week are <laughs> get, have potential to get me into trouble. So we're going to see if I can navigate them in in a uh in an okay way here um because i am a little upset now we got back to los angeles and uh everything was good everything was fine we got back midst of a pandemic thinking what how's it gonna look you know for the most part it looks the same as when we left only just feels a little more relaxed you know we kind of have a handle on what you know how people are getting coronavirus and all that so it's it's a little more relaxed i will say that um now we came back everything was fine we were back for two days boom sarah's bike gets stolen welcome back to los angeles somebody's gonna take your beach cruiser now when when sarah went downstairs and she goes hey uh my bike's gone i was like huh Woo, what what do you what do you mean gone she's like it's, well, it's not here and of course i knew what she meant but uh, in my mind, I was kind of like, what, what, what? We're gone for three months. Nobody takes anything. We're back for two days and somebody just takes something so obvious. 
and and we had it locked up but it was like um it was a it had a chain around it with multiple padlocks but uh the, it was all attached uh to the storage locker and they detached it from the storage locker and thus were able to just like weasel the chain through the bike um and took it, leaving the two kids' bikes and our stroller. So I'm glad that they left that. But I was like, man, really? Who who comes in here, has the balls to detach? Because it was going to take time to detach it, like time and effort. And a little bit of you know, like technical know-how. You know, it's it's not like a smash and grab job. It's like they had to be like, okay, well, what if I... What if I detach this from here, then I can weasel that through here, and then, yes, I will get the bike. Like, they had to sit there and figure that out. And so she got, she uh, she took my oldest kid, um, she took Indiana down, and, and they were going to go to the grocery store, and she called, she's like, hey, somebody took my bike. And I was like, oh, damn it. And so just out of due diligence, I was like, all right, well, let me let me just, I'll take you to the grocery store drop you off and the other kids can be in the car and and we'll just look and see if we see it like like maybe the guy's riding around right and so i do that and we're looking around and the whole time my middle child neil he's he's looking out the window he's like where is that our bike is that our bike and he's just pointing out every single like person on a bike is like no that's not it that's not it i was trying to describe what the bike looked like like it's okay this is what it looks like so this is how you'll know and and uh, we had the um, the way I was able to describe it to him besides the color was we've got what's called an Ibert, which, by the way, Hoff recommends Ibert if you got like little kids and you want to take them for a bike ride. Like they make the ones, the kid bike seats that like attach on the back and they've got those weird pulley ones where you just like like drag them along behind you and the kids just luggage back there they've got those the one i like the most is called an ibert and it's this green seat that like you attach a metal bar to your front handlebars and then you attach the seat to that metal bar and that way they sit right in front of you right in between your arms and they can see everything rather than the ones behind you where the kids like hey dad you want to move off to the side so I can catch a glimpse of these awesome trees? No need for that because they're right up in front. And then you can kind of talk to them and point things out. I love it. We had it with all three of our kids. And so um, even though we take off that seat and and uh, put it somewhere each time we're not riding the bike, that metal beam is still attached. So I was like, look for that metal beam. Like That's how you'll know because a lot of people will have that particular beach cruiser, but not anybody else will probably have that metal beam so look out for that so he's looking out for that but this still he doesn't really understand every bike he's like is that our bike is that our bike i think i saw a bike i think i saw a bike i was like i, I love it he's like when are we gonna find the bike i was like dude we're not gonna find the bike we are really just out here so that i can lay my head on the pillow tonight saying well i tried so um we're driving around for like a half hour and then i get a text from sarah and she said hey we're done we're checking out, so uh, come back and get us. And as I'm doing that, as I'm going back, uh, we go underneath the 405 at this homeless encampment. And I was like, ah, oh, just like look here. This is the last place I'll look. And and I like go over to the side. There's this like little parking lane that you can drive slow on. And I went over and I drove slow. And right away, boom. There it is, the white wall tire of the beach cruiser. It's covered partially by this blue tarp that he'd put over it. But then there I see, oh, yep, it's 
it's the same color as our bike, and there, boom, there's the Ibert metal uh, metal post that's sticking out. I was like, this son of a bitch. This dude is over here. He's like a mile and a half from our place, stole my damn bike, and then just like put it right there next to his tent and tried to cover it with a blue tarp. You pile of rat garbage. Like, I, normally my heart goes out to the homeless people, but in this moment I was like, screw this homeless guy. Screw whoever the hell it was that came to my my home last night in the middle of the night weaseled the bike out from a locked position like it's one thing if it were unlocked and it was just an easy thing to just nab but this thing was locked up and this turd farmer took it and uh and i was like aha and um and so i but i got the two kids in the car with me I got, I got the little one and the middle one. I was like, I can't just go grab it and throw it in the minivan. Like, what if something goes down? What if he comes out of his tent as I'm grabbing it? Like, and then all of a sudden, we got a fight on our hands and I got infants <laughs> on board. Like, so I, I called. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll back up and I'll, you know, I'll case the joint. I'll do a little stakeout action. So I pull the car off to the side, like kind of back from where it was, but I can still maintain visual ID on the, on the bike. And I, I call uh, the police, not 911. I usually call 911 each year, but this is a non-emergency. So I, so I look up, I look up the phone number, by the way, I'd called the police earlier to report it missing. They're like, okay, well you can go on our website and report it, fill it out and we'll let you know. And I was like, did, did they ever, did they ever find it? And she's like, I don't know. You can fill out a report. And I was like, well, what? I, I even asked. I was like, well, okay. So if they take, like I imagine with all the homeless people around, bikes are getting stolen all the time. Like where do these things normally end up? Just are they using them? Does it go to Craigslist typically? Like where, where are they going? She goes, I don't know. Fill out the report. I was like, ah, you've been a lot of help. I appreciate it. Um, and that's not a dig at police. That's a dig on that particular <laughs> call girl. And that's what I'll call her. <laughs> she was a call girl, and she wasn't doing a very good job, and she wasn't very sympathetic to my plight. I know a lot of people got things going on, but this is my particular uh, cross to bear in that moment. Um, so I'm like, yeah, cops aren't going to help. I'll fill out a report, but cops aren't going to help. Um, and, but, but now I see it. So I'm like, okay, wouldn't it be nice if I could have a policeman come and get it for me or at least, you know, stand guard as I get it? So in, thing, in case things go sideways, I'm all good. Um, so I call. They're like, yeah, we'll send somebody over. Um, and I wait half hour. I wait 40 minutes. Finally, I'm like, you know what? I, I can't wait here any longer with these kids in the back seat. And uh, so I called my buddy, Sharky, who was just – I knew he lived just a couple blocks away. I was like, hey, man, you at home? He's like, what's up? I go, bike got stolen. Long story short, I found it, and I want it back. And he goes, dude, where are you? I, I told him where I was. He's like, I'm on my way. Uh, two minutes later, uh, he walks past with, like, a full, like, like ski mask, practically. Like, like incognito walks past, and I'm on the phone with him. He's got his little earbuds in, and I go, hey, is that you that just walked past? Because I said, okay, why don't you come here, and uh, and you can sit in the car, and I'll go get it, and then I'll write it back to your house. You drive the van back to your house, and we'll and we'll be good. And he goes, all right, all right. So he walks past the van, 
And and I'm like, hey, did you just walk past my van? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just walking past the homeless guy thing. And I go, okay. And he looks and I go, see, there it is right there, right under that little blue tarp. And he goes, that's your bike? And I go, yep. Yeah. And, he, and he walks about five steps past it, turns around, and I think he's coming back to the van now. And all of a sudden he just goes, boop, and just, na- <laughs> just nabs the bike, just hops on, pulls the tarp off, uh, gets on and starts riding immediately. I was like, oh, dude, go, 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 go. And I was like, dude, I will sit here. Go back to your house. I'll sit here, watch, and make sure nobody noticed that you nabbed it back. And uh, so he took it. Nobody nobody came out of a tent like, hey, where's who stole the bike I stole? Like, <laughs> like none of that happened, which in my mind, that's exactly what we're going to face. If we involve the cops, I was like, they're going to be like, well, you can't steal that guy's property like some bat vigilante. You can't be out there like the Batman. But but I am Batman. You can't do that. People don't do that. That's the movies. No, I'm Batman. You don't tell me what I can and cannot do. I'm merely dispensing straight justice. It was my bike. Possession's nine-tenths of the law, and he happens to possess it. Okay, well, I happened to possess it last night, and then it was taken from me. So, <laughs> so my buddy grabs it and he just whoop and on it, gone. I wait two, three minutes, make sure, you know, they're not rallying the troops to go, to go get it. And then I just start up the van, whoop, go around and, uh, thanks dude. You got my bike back. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, he's just total badass in his, <laughs> in his full on, uh, ski mask and, and nabbed it back. And the one the one weird thing about it was there was a, I don't know if this guy was like looking to flip it or if he needed it for his own transportation or sell it on the street. I don't, I don't know what, but the weird thing was it was, everything was in good condition, um, except they had written in like erasable marker, a phone number on the seat. And I don't know if that's their, like, if they were trying to flip it on Craigslist and that phone number was like a contact or something or what. So that was the one weird thing. And I, I couldn't quite read all the digits. Otherwise, I would have tried calling it and seeing what the hell was going on. Um, so we get the bike back and driving back to the house. Meanwhile, I'm texting with Sarah the whole time. I'm like, hey, found it. She's like, what? You found the bike? You gotta be kidding me! I was like, "Yeah, I know, right?" Like, I can't believe this happened. Like, needle in a sta- haystack in all of Los Angeles, anywhere that bike can be, I find it a mile and a half away. Like, holy crap! Can you believe it? And <laughs> and she could not. And I was like, "Just wait there at the grocery store. I don't want to. I don't want to like leave it." And then all of a sudden, it you know it gets taken for a joyride or gets sold out from under my nose in the half hour it takes me to do what I need to do. So uh, so we get the bike back. And, um, where the hell I, oh, oh, yeah. Then all of a sudden I get a call from the police. They're like, Hey, where are you? The police are there. And I'm like, well, okay, don't get shitty with me. All right. You're an hour late. All right. (laughs) Like, I understand you got important things, but when you say, Hey, hold on, we'll send a cruiser. I don't think that means an hour later. Okay. Plus I got kids in the car, so I just didn't have the time to wait. So I was like, all right, hang tight. I'll come back. So I drive back and uh, go to inspect, and now I'm, I'm like looking out my window right now, I'm hyper vigilant about the people that come into our, <laughs> into our apartment complex, like, you here for my bike? Um, and so I go back and I talk to the cops, and uh, first of all, they're on the wrong side of the street. 
So I go over there and they're like, where, where, where is it? And I was like, oh, it was over there. And they're like, ah, pff, that's Culver City. Can't even, couldn't even do anything. And I was like, well, okay, a lot, shit, a lot of good you guys are. <laughs> like, you can't cross the street for justice. You couldn't have watched me from across the street. Like, come on, man. Like, that's so stupid. And uh, don't, <laughs> I wanted to say something, you know, some kind of fun, trite thing like they do in the movies. Like, don't give me this jurus my diction crap. <laughs> um, but I, I said, eh, it doesn't matter. I got it. Like, I had a buddy came over and helped me get it. This is how I knew it was my bike. And I'm like, oh, good. It's all done. I, first of all, I thought they might give me hell. Like, you can't, you can't just snatch and grab it back. Like, we don't know whose is whose. And now the last person, the only thing we know is you're admitting to taking this homeless person's bike <laughs> like i thought maybe i was gonna take a little bit of hell for that uh but they didn't say anything they're like okay good because i surprised you got it i was like yeah well what are you, what are you gonna do with the, like homeless people in this city have become a humongous problem like they it, it's become this huge thing and and i heard that uh, it was because the city of Los Angeles got sued because police officers were like moving homeless people's things and it's considered personal property, even if it's on the street in a public area and you can't move it. So, so now they can't move it and so they can't move it. They can't move the homeless guy. So they're just setting up shop and it's, I mean, they're like these tent cities. It used to be just downtown Los Angeles that these problems were happening and everybody kind of knew like, oof. It's a nightmare downtown, but it was, you know, it was all in that one spot. And now it's spread out all over Los Angeles. It's not, it's not like every street corner has it, but you know, it's every couple of miles, you see a pretty significant buildup of tent cities where homeless people are. And now Los Angeles put bathrooms there. I, I sat there and I watched the whole thing for, you know, the 45 minutes I sat there. The, the L.A. has put up bathrooms for the homeless people, which is good and bad, right? Like, yeah, it's good that they're not, you know, just crapping on the street. But at the same time, it's like, well, now you're just kind of you're endorsing all of this. Like, yeah, it's good that they can do that and they can wash their hands. But this is like, don't you see your like your put you're standing too close to a meat grinder and you keep you keep uh you know getting your hand caught in it and instead of like moving away from the meat grinder you just keep putting band-aids on your fingers as they get chopped up like come on like solve the first problem rather than trying to put a like small little fix on this humongous thing that you've created i that's just my two cents. I guess that's uh, too logical for the government to get involved in. But homeless people are just taking over the place. And, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I drive around the streets. I, <laughs> I get a bit of a superiority complex. Like, you know, it's not hard to feel good about yourself when, you know, every every couple of miles you see another homeless encampment. You're like, well, at least that's not me. Like, at least we still have a roof over our heads and we don't have to crap in this porta potty that's been set up free of charge. Like, I guess I'm paying for mine and theirs is free. So who's the sucker here? <laughs> but, but, but comparatively, I'm killing it, right? <laughs> comparatively, I'm crushing Los Angeles. Uh, <laughs> look at all these people that couldn't, couldn't hack it. And, and there they are. Or they found the ultimate hack. I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't want it. Wouldn't want my kids on the street. 
not because I'd be worried for them, but I mean, I just hate to apologize every 10 seconds to my, to my homeless cohorts. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. He was freaking out last night in his sleep and he just screamed for two hours. Sorry about that. Oh, tell your kid to keep it down, please. Don't like listening to it. Try to get some shut eye over here. It's bad enough. We got to deal with all this traffic driving by every 10 seconds. Then I got to deal with your kids screaming bloody murder. Get it together. <laughs> I don't want to be the guy that other homeless guys tell it to get together. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I Hey, this somehow this podcast has put me in a better mood. Uh, I was kind of in a bad mood going in. And now, now that I'm saying I was in a bad mood, I'm reminding myself of what I was pissed about. And <laughs> it's bringing it back up. But um, hey, the, I, uh, I'm, I've been a little stressed. And uh, I think everybody's a little stressed right now. We've got, uh, you know, everybody's been indoors a little too long, uh, shut down a little too long. Uh, but I'm getting a little bit stressed. There are multiple reasons. And one of them is not performing live shows. Uh, but uh, I do have to perform a live show in October. I am officiating my sister-in-law's wedding. I've never done that before, but now I am a man of a cloth, okay? That's right, Doom Doom Bippers. I, your boy is going to get certified online. I am going to marry people. And, um, you know, I, I, I think they asked me because they thought, oh, it'll be fun. You know, Nick's, Nick's not scared of public speaking. He, he'll make it light and easy, and it'll be kind of fun that somebody that we know and love, uh, you know, is a part of that. And I'm flattered, right? I'm flattered that they would uh, think of me in that way and allow me to do that for them. Uh, but I did get myself in a little bit of trouble last week because uh, their whole side of the family is on a family text, and I'm part of that. And, uh, you know, they were all making wedding plans, and there was a little bit of uh, heated discussion. And I popped off with an inappropriate joke over family text. And I knew, I knew, uh, you know, the in-laws we're on there on that family text, but I thought, well, that's kind of the fun of it too. If I make this inappropriate joke and I know they're on there, like that, they'll be cool with it. And I put it out there and they were not cool with it. <laughs> my mother-in-law was, my father-in-law did not see the humor in it. I was like, Oh I, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said it, but it's, it's still kind of funny. Right. <laughs> and he's like, no, not funny. <laughs> How dare you? I was like, Oh, ho, ho, ho. damn it. And, uh, and then he brought up like, you're supposed to be marrying my daughter. Like you better not, make one of your comedy routines and now i'm looking at it going well i was gonna i was gonna crack some jokes and that's kind of what they asked me to do they're like and uh, yeah you can make it funny like everybody's looking forward to it and i was like okay cool and, uh, and now he's like if you're cracking jokes now i know the whole time i'm up there if i say anything that gets any kind of a chuckle i i know i'm gonna look at him and it's just smoke's gonna be coming out of ears oh it's all a joke to you isn't it off it's all fun and games this is what you chose to do with my little girl my angels special day <laughs> you heathen and don't get me wrong He's a cool guy, and he'll get over it, but uh, he was pretty pissed in the moment. And I understand. I just wish I just wish um, it had been taken as the joke that it was meant to be um, and, and not taken in such a personal light. Uh, <laughs> but I got to do this, um, I got to do this marriage, and I, I was writing, uh, you know, I've got plenty of marriage material, but I don't want to, I don't want to, like, cart out the old tired stuff 
for this uh, special occasion. I wanted to write some fresh, hot take, and and I also told him, and I was sort of joking, but it, it's gotten more and more serious that I'm going to uh, put him through marriage counseling with me. <laughs> That's something I had to endure before I got married through our church. We had to go to marriage counseling. I was like, you know what? I'll do. Uh, you guys should, you know, go through marriage counseling with me. Uh, you know, I can kind of like guide you through the pitfalls. Not that I'm some sort of expert by no means. In fact, I just got into an argument today with my betrothed, my beautiful bride and I went toe to toe. And that's part of the reason I was pissed, uh, before this podcast. But I was like, you know what? I could probably shed some light and, and I was kind of like, you know what? I should give them some pointers and tips and call it marriage counseling because I, you know, years from now, if, heaven forbid, they were, you know, if it didn't work out, if they were to get a divorce or something, I'd kind of blame myself. And I know it's not really reasonable to expect that I can just go up there and talk for 15 minutes and everything's going to be hunky-dory for the next 50 years, but I would feel somewhat to blame, especially if I had the opportunity to try and, like, shove them off down the right path, then I have some sort of uh, civic and uh, personal responsibility to do so. So I was, I was making my list of what I was going to talk to them about. And, and <laughs> you know, I, it was weird because the thing I really wanted to tell them, is, and it kind of went through my head over and over again, is, I don't know, I, I don't consider really divorce an option. There are a couple of things that could happen in my marriage that would be unforgivable, Right. A couple things, not many, but a couple that I would be like, you know, if she ever tried to kill me, I'd be like, you know what, I'm probably, <laughs> I'm probably not going to stick around uh, to take a second pass at this attempt. I might move on down the road. That's kind of an unforgivable thing. And, uh, you know, probably, I, I don't know what else would be there. there. There could be a handful of things that she could do that would uh, cause me to leave. Other than that, I'm like, you know what, I'm going down with the ship. That's kind of how I look at marriage is like, like, yeah, they're going to be good days. They're going to be bad days. And there's going to be a whole lot of just mediocre days. That, that's what it is. And you hope that the good outweigh the bad, right? You hope that at the end of your life, you're like 51% good decision. <laughs> that's what I'm going with. It was a 51er. So there you go. The coin flipped up heads uh, and it worked out. If you are, I'll, here's what I'll say. I don't think you should get married unless you're comfortable calling marriage a death pact. Like, because that's, to me, that's what it is. Marriage is a death pact that you're just like, you know what? I, I'm, I'm locked in here and things might, you know, turn horrible, but I, I'm, I'm in it. I'm in it for life. Like, if you don't look at it as like looking at their spouse up there when you're up there s saying your vows, if you're not looking at them thinking, I will die with you, okay? Regardless of what the next 50 years bring, you know, aside from those few caveats that I've brought up, um, regardless of that, I will be there to watch you die or you will watch me die or we'll die in the same car together as it careens off a cliff holding hands. Like, that's how this is going to go down, okay? Like, you know, they have those, I, I had to look up, like, what, what, what are they supposed to say? Like, in, in sickness and in health and all, all that garbage. Like, sickness and in health? How about happiness and rage? That's what it really, it need, that needs to be in there. And maybe I'll put it in this October. Maybe I'll add happiness and rage. Because, listen, it's not all about these big things. It's all about the middle crap that people finally get fed up with. And they're like, I can't live with this anymore. Well, guess what? 
yet you promised in front of all your friends and family, you promised you would, okay? If you had said up there, listen, I'll probably stick with you, but if I get fed up, I'll leave. There's no romance in that. There's no romance there. And, and now people are like, you know what? I'm sorry I gave you that toaster. You don't deserve that toaster. I, I'm sorry that I sprung for the four-slot toaster. Should have just given you a plastic little two-slotter, okay? Because that's the kind of marriage that says it's a two-slot toaster marriage. And I'm not, I'm not springing for the nice one at Sharper Image. You're getting Target brand. You're getting, <laughs> you're getting, you know what? You're getting Shopco Kmart brand. Uh, <laughs> if they ever hear this, they'll never hire me for anything. Um, <gasps> yeah. Oof. I, I don't know. We've reached that. That's the anger in me. Is we, we've reached this not breaking point because I already told you I'll bend. I'll bend all the way. I'll, I'll do a, uh, what do they call it, where it's not a clean break, but it's a it's not a hairline fracture. It's not a clean break. It's like a, a green stem fracture or something like that, where it, you know, it's, it's like snapping a green, a green tree branch where you can't crack it completely in half. It just kind of like splinters a little bit, but stays together. That's, that's our marriage. And I think having having the kid on zoom class and having the other two go through their respective nightmare stages that they're going through and and just little things like my wife and I are nitpicking at each other for and we'll we'll get through it but I'm just like oh boy oh boy and it's really really hard to not say something that you're going to regret or to just walk away. <laughs> it's almost impossible, by the way, to walk away in an apartment of this size. Like you can't really, <laughs> and you can't just keep storming outside. Like where, where the hell are you going to go? It's really hot out there and, and there's a pandemic out there. So you just like storm off and walk 10 feet to the side. You're like <laughs> really mad. <laughs> and you and you walk away because you don't want to say anything you're going to regret. You don't want to say anything that you can't take back. And I know me, if I'm mad, I'm going to say it, okay? I'm going to say it with the expectation that you could be forgiven. Like, it's better to say it and ask for forgiveness than to get permission to say I, whatever the saying is. Like, I'm going to say something that I'm going to regret. So instead, I walk away. And sometimes that works. But sometimes she's like, nope, you're not getting away from me. And she follows me. And I'm like, don't, don't corner me. <laughs> don't don't put me in a verbal corner because I'll start biting to get out. Okay, and I don't want to. Like, just trust me; it's best for everyone. And I know you're unsatisfied. That's why she follows, because she's unsatisfied with the result of the conversation. And guess what? I'm unsatisfied too. But I'm walking away because I don't want to go from unsatisfied to like <laughs> unforgivable. That's not where I want to go. So I'm walking away. So don't follow me. Don't follow me. Just like, that's what we should do. That's what uh, Sarah and I should do. If I need to walk away, it's like, it's just like, give me the 10 minutes. Uh, we can continue this discussion. Write down what was last said, because it's probably bothering the hell out of you. Write down whatever the hell I just said, or whatever the hell you just said. And 10 minutes later, we'll come back. Let me, let me part and see if I can gather my thoughts and my composure before I say something so stupid that you're going to be mad at me for days, okay? Just give me the 10 minutes. That's all I'm asking. Like, I know you're pissed. I'm pissed too. Give me 10 minutes. And today she followed me. I was like, wow, why? Why, please don't follow me. And so I just sat there in silence. 
which that, that also pissed her off. But we'll we'll get through it. That's that's part of what you got to do. It's part of what you got to do in a marriage. And this is this is uh, Nick Hoff's uh, marital counseling 101 right here. That's what you got to do. You got to eventually get over shit. You got to say sorry. You got to say even even if you don't necessarily think you are sorry, it's good to just say it. it makes the other person feel better and it doesn't cost you anything. Just say sorry. Because at the very least, it should make you feel bad that they feel bad, right? Like, even if you feel bad also, they feel bad. So you can acknowledge that and say, sorry. I'm sorry I made you feel that way. <laughs> not not some kind of weak apology where it's like, I'm sorry you were offended by that. Somebody said that to me a few days ago. Sorry if you were offended by that. Like, shh, don't even start. You can say, I'm sorry I offended you. You can't say, I'm sorry if you were offended. That, that's, that's not, the, you're not putting the sorry in the right place there. You got to say, sorry, I offended you. I'm sorry I hurt you. These are the things we can say to each other. And it should, it should help. At the very least, it'll make the other person feel a little bit better. Okay? So that's what I'm here for. I'm, I'm just here for making the other person feel just a little bit better. Putting my needs second. It's what I, you know, as I think of it, this this podcast has come full circle because that's what I do when I go on stage and I don't feel like being funny because I'm upset, I'm depressed, but I put my feelings second and I go out there and I give, um, you know, I give people what they what they want to see, and um, and I, I'm cool with that. That's a, you know, it's a great it's a great job. I take the good with the bad. There are little bad things that come with it. Um, and that, that was also, <laughs> was also part of the battle this morning is I didn't like the way she was describing my job to our kids zoom teacher. <laughs> I didn't like the way she described my career. <laughs> I, I know, I know it's been almost 200 days since I performed live. You don't need to say it to our, to our son's teacher, like the, oh, and, and say it that way too. Like, well, he doesn't do comedy anymore. Like that, that's not what she said. But what she said kind of was like, hey, you can't, don't, don't say it like that. That sounds horrible. Anyway, I'm not going to air that dirty laundry. I probably already said too much. I'm probably going to get myself in trouble. Um, thank you for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. And I'm going to post another episode. I've already got it in the can. I'm going to post another episode um, on Friday. So thank you for listening. Pass this thing around. I, I do this, you know, I do this for free. So uh, if if you enjoy it, um, please, please do take the time to rate and review it and to pass it around. Give it to somebody else because that's the only way I can keep doing it is uh, if it continues to grow. And we've done a good job. We've done a good job. Uh, but, uh, you know, it'd be cool if things grew faster. How about that? <laughs> is that fair? Is that fair? Like, I'm, I'm excited with what we've done, but I'd be even more excited if we could uh, do it faster. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. So, uh Pass it along. Anybody that needs marriage counseling or that's getting married, send this episode to them. Let them know that the Hoffcast is here for them. And I appreciate you guys out there doom, doom, bipping it. When life looks at you horribly, you laugh in the face and you say doom, doom, bip. <laughs>